Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come here at Charlestown Road. Roger, this past Sunday, you had the honor of preaching. You reminded us of that famous uh, idea, everything I really needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. Many of us remember those posters from years gone by, but you twisted it a little. Really, everything that I need to know, I learned from Jesus. Yeah, you know, that, that little thing by Robert Fulgram is kind of cute um, and makes a lot of neat little posters and books. But it's not really true because there's more things we need to know. I mean, that that little thing is about taking naps and sharing <laughs> and simple things like that. But one of the fascinating things about the human mind that God developed is that we're always learning, whether we're in school, whether it's uh, continuing education, new jobs, new phones, new cars, new remotes. It's always a process of learning. And, and that's one of the intriguing things in life. And so what we looked at in this lesson was just what I learned from Jesus. We began in Matthew 19 where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asked a question about what he must do to inherit eternal life. And immediately we see three outstanding things that, that take place there. First of all, he asked the greatest person on the face of the earth, Jesus. He didn't ask his mama. He didn't go Google it. He asked Jesus. Who knows more about eternal life than Jesus? And then he asked the greatest question. I mean, he could ask, you know, how do I get rich or how do I deal with my mother-in-law? Lots of things like that. But he asked the most important question, that's obtaining eternal life. And then he understood that he had responsibility. He didn't say, Jesus, just give me eternal life. What must I, what good thing must I do to obtain that? So from that, we went to Ephesians 4. And in Ephesians 4, there's, there's a passage in verse 20 where the Apostle Paul said, you did not learn Christ this way. And so from that, we took off of that and just, what did we learn from Christ? And that, that statement's really interesting because the subject of what they learned was Christ. The teacher was Christ. And so it's not learning facts. It's not learning do's and don'ts. It's, it's about learning what Jesus is all about and who he is. And so, we, from that, just had three simple things that just unfolds from the text. And the first, quote, the first thought we had was that I learned that what I thought worked really doesn't. And he, he takes us through the Gentiles and talks about their darkness of understanding, their futility of mind, their callous hearts. And, and it just wasn't working. Um, they were lost. And and so from that, he talks about how they had to change. Lay aside your old self, he says, and then to work on being what they should be. Second point we talked about is I learned that can be a show model of God's character. Uh, I, I can learn to be like God wants me to be, and I can be pure as he is pure. I can be the light of the world as he is the light of the world. And, you know, when we think about a a car in, in a show model as a dealership, you know, the cars always are shiny and sparkly and clean. You never see fingerprints on the windows or, or McDonald cups in the back seats. I mean, they're, they're pristine. And everyone who walks in there says, man, I wish I had a car just <laughs> like that, you know. And, and, and in ways, we, we become the world's Bible. 
Uh, we are the only Bible some people will ever read. And, and that, that's important for us to have that understanding. Then we wrapped it up by talking about how I can be a magnifier of his grace. Uh, chapter 4 ends by talking about how we are to forgive as God has forgiven us. And so uh, through all that, it's just these are, these are concepts that we learn from Jesus. And tying it into our, our theme this year of always bringing the best, uh, we learn from the best, and that's how we become the best. And, and that's all through Jesus Christ. Yeah, I appreciate you walking through that with us. The sermon is freely available at charlestownroad.org. <clears throat> and in our sermon podcast feed, we would love for you to go back and revisit that or watch or listen for the very first time. Roger, for the next few minutes, I would love just to look at those three points that you drew out of Ephesians chapter 4, especially in light of our theme. You just brought out that Jesus is the best. We're learning from the best because the more we learn from the best, the more we become like the best. But sometimes maybe it's easy to settle, right? You mentioned uh, cars in a showroom. You know, I, I go and I'm shopping for a new car and there's always that best car that is on the inside of the dealership. Uh, it just happens to be the most expensive car on the lot. It sure does look like the shiniest under those nice focused spotlights, but most all of us would say, well, that one is the best, but I'm going to settle for this one over here, or we're looking to move into a neighborhood and the best house is around the corner. Everybody knows that, but we're going to settle for something else. Or, you know, it's still, we're relatively early on in the year, and I I go to the gym, and, well, there are others around me who are faster or stronger, and if I really had to push it, maybe I could give more of my best, but I'm just going to settle right now for good enough. Your your first point from Ephesians 4 was, I learned from Jesus that what I thought worked really didn't. So why can't I just settle for, well, it's good enough. My attitude, my choices, my lifestyle, my behavior, it's not the best. But it's good enough, and that's where a lot of people are today. Um, they're 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 content, they're happy, uh, they're just kind of floating through life, and they look around them, and everyone else is doing the same thing, and they, and they kind of come to the conclusion: well, not everybody can be wrong, and then everyone else is doing this, so I'm going to do what everyone else does, and and so they just kind of float through life like that, and they don't challenge themselves. And what's really missing from them is this relationship with God. What's missing is they have not learned Christ. So right here in Ephesians passage, Ephesians 4, he gives us the answer, and then we'll go to chapter 2 and see it magnified even more. But in verse 18 of chapter 4, as he talks about these Gentiles being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. That's what, that's what, that's what this is all about. And then in chapter 2, again, as he kind of talks about this, he will say in verse 12, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You're on your own. So, you know, what's the big deal about just selling? Well, you, you have no hope. 
You have no future. Um, one of these days, you're going to see the reality that I'm not going to live here forever, and I'm going to stand before the throne of God, and I don't know him. I've not learned what pleases him. I don't understand what I should. Uh, we would see in our sermon in chapter 5, as he again continues some more things here about this relationship with God, he, he, would, he would emphasize there that they have learned uh, how to please God. And, and so that, that's what we learn from Christ. We learn how to please God. What is it that God wants for me to do? What is God like? And so just to settle, you know, the consolation prize, I'm not going to get first prize. It's kind of going that fair. And, <laughs> and there's those monster-sized stuffed animals, and your little child says, I want that one. And you spend hundreds of dollars trying to get this little <laughs> ring over a bottle or something, like, or, or, or knock something down, and you finally get this little bitty miniature prize, and your child's not happy at not all. Not exactly the best. <laughs> no, no, and you settled for it. And... And that's what happens. Rather than rather than striving for heaven, we settle for earth, and it's not what we. It's not the best. It's not what God wants us to do. And so, to live a life without God is without God's help, God's grace, God's forgiveness. Uh, it's it's basically to be on your own. It's like being in a little rowboat out in the middle of the ocean, and you don't have any GPS. And which way do I go? I'm not real sure. And most times we just float with the tide and yeah. are got our fingers crossed. So that's where it's about. You know, what I hear you saying, when we settle for, well, that's good enough uh, in my attitude, my choices, my lifestyle, behavior, whatever it is, I am treating myself as the standard or other people around me, right? Well, I'm... <clears throat> I'm not the best. I'm not even giving my best, but I sure am better than him and I'm better than her. And, and surely that's good enough. But those passages that you've drawn out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians show us we're not the standard and where we stack up in relation to other human beings is not the standard. God is the standard and we must align ourselves with that standard. Use that as our focal point and go from there. And so that's a that's a really important point of clarification. You know, and, and let me add, you know, usually when we compare ourselves to somebody, we always pick out somebody a little less than we are. You know, we we, we pick out somebody who who can't hold a job and at least I got a job or we look at somebody and and he's just he just has terrible attitude. Well, my attitude's better. We 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 rarely look at somebody better than us. Mm-hmm. We always look at somebody worse than us. But but still, we're we're all the same. Um, we all need Jesus. We're we're all uh, have sins in our lives. And so uh, when we look at each other and say, "Well, I'm better than that guy," well, that that's that's not saying much. Uh, we need to look to the best, and that's yeah. Jesus. Yeah, we're comparing ourselves to someone who's already fallen short of the glory of God. We we need something better. Okay, so. I learned from Jesus what I thought worked, really didn't. Your second point was I learned from Jesus that I can be a show model of God's character. And, of course, you took us to a variety of passages. What would you say to the person that responds, well, I hear you, um, but 
why does it have to be God's character? Why can't it be, uh, you know, uh, the the model of uh, just a good modern American citizen? Why does it have to be God's character that I model? And and when our, our Ephesians four passage says, "Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth." Then chapter 5 begins, be imitators of God. Well, why? Because God is the best. Um, you know, again, if, if I have a child, I want him to go to the best schools. Uh, if he's going to be in sports, I want the best coach. Uh, you know, when, when we look to, uh, our, our sports teams, you know, and, and they fire coaches. Well, do they want to hire a coach who has never won a game? No, they want the best. And so when, when we talk about character, morals, attitudes, lifestyles, no one's better than Jesus. No one forgave better than Jesus. No one loves better than Jesus. No one has compassion better than Jesus. And that, that's just demonstrated all through the Gospels. Uh, the Jews sometimes would be standoffish. Sometimes they would say, send these people away. But Jesus was always welcoming them to him. And so, so when I think about the type of character, who do I want to be like? Uh, there's no one better than Jesus. And so when I learn from Jesus how to think about myself, how to view other people, how to treat other people. I'm learning from the best. And, and again, what, what, what a great uh, concept that is. I mean, if we were sitting down and we were going to maybe go over our finances and, and we have an opportunity to sit down with our cousin and he's filed bankruptcy three times <laughs> and can't hold a job and he has all this advice, well, why listen to him? Or, or I sit down with a Warren Buffett or something, somebody who's a billionaire and, and has, has a true, uh, you know, proven track record of what he has done. I might say, well, I, I don't listen to the best. And, and so when we think about this in the area of our lives, no one is better than Jesus. You know, it, it strikes me. There are some who would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, Jesus is the best, and his character is the best, and we'll talk like that on Sundays, maybe Wednesday nights, but then what fills my eyes and my ears and my mind are just the characters of my fellow human beings, right? Uh, I I spend an inordinate amount of time watching or streaming or listening to my fellow human beings. I, I am entertained simply by other human beings. I fill my downtime by scrolling social media, just looking at the input of other human beings. You know, it's not uncommon to see when you log into certain social networks up at the very top, what's on your mind? Well, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind and I'm just going to fill my mind with what's on the mind of my fellow human beings. It's one thing to acknowledge. Yeah. Jesus Jesus is the best model of character that we could possibly have, but we need to do more than give that lip service just on Sundays. Yeah, and, and so, you know, again, to, to the heart of Ephesians 4, uh, as he talks about you did not learn Christ this way, he's talking about how the Gentiles were living. Mm. Uh, you disciples 
were not like that. You learn what Christ is like. You walked with Jesus. You know Jesus. And, and when that becomes a part of our life, we understand it's not just reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John saying, okay, that's pretty cool. You know, he, he was different, you know. Uh, it's why am I not that way? Yeah. And, you know, he forgave, and why don't I forgive? He, he was kind. Well, why, why am I mean? And, and so it, it, the learning process is, is becoming. It's changing. And that's what God wants from us. All right. So what I need to know, I learned from Jesus. I, I learned what I thought worked really didn't. I learned that I can be a show model of God's character. And your last point was, I learned that I can be a magnifier of his grace. Now, uh, maybe I listen to that and I think, well, I would certainly like to enjoy his grace. I, I want the blessings that come from his grace. Why can't I just enjoy the grace? Why do I have to be a magnifier of it? Well, and we have so many great uh, examples in our Bible. You know, there's old Jonah. God gave him a second chance, but he really did not want to give Nineveh hmm. a second chance. We got the the older brother, the prodigal son. Uh, the prodigal came home, was forgiven, but he really didn't want to forgive him. And, and so over and over, we, we got these examples in our Bibles of the power of extending grace to others. Uh, in, in the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, after Jesus ended the prayer, he kind of went back and, and elaborated on just a couple statements. He says in verse 14, For if you forgive others for the transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So why should I be a magnifier of God's grace? Number one, because he's forgiven me. And because he's forgiven me, I need to be a forgiver. Forgiver of people who have said things about me. Forgive her those who have disappointed me, people who have hurt me, and and understand that's what is all about with that. And then another passage I think helps us is this, and that's in the book of Titus in chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us. Just as we learn from Jesus, we learn from grace. Grace teaches us, it says in verse 12, to deny ungodliness, worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. And so uh, I have been saved. I need to save others. I have been taught. I need to teach others. I've been given grace. I need to extend grace. That's, that's, the, that's the flow in the Bible. It should never stop with me. I'm just, I'm, it should just pass right through me to other people, my family first, my friends, and all those in my contacts that I try to get them to see Jesus. I am a channel of that, not just a reservoir, right? Such a powerful, powerful idea. Jesus is the best. When we learn from Jesus, we're learning from the best. And when we learn from the best, we become more and more like the best. Roger, really appreciate those foundational truths, good truths to to build our week on. What I learned from Jesus is the name of the sermon preached this past Sunday morning, freely available 
at charlestownroad.org. It is Wednesday, and we are thankful for the opportunity to learn more about and from the best. And so, Roger, you're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yes, and we are continuing our series on expectations And we're going to be talking about the uh, story from the Gospel of Luke of a man who interrupted Jesus and expected Jesus to tell his brother to divide the family inheritance. Layers of lessons there about expectations, and we'll be talking about that tonight. Very good. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we are kicking off part one of a little four-part series throughout the month of February. We're asking, what does it mean to be holy. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about how it may not exactly be what a lot of people think that it means. This evening, we're going to zero in on the idea of being dedicated or set apart for God. We would love to have you and your children join us for those studies. We have Bible classes for all ages. We would love to have you join us at 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.